Financing 4.0 was recently launched at the World Development Finance Forum. In this episode, we explain what that is and what it means for the financial industry going forward. Good morning, Africa. Welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruta Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Ruta Dong. Development finance stakeholders are calling for the quick adoption of Finance 4.0 as a revolutionary tool in mobilization and deployment of funds to radically accelerate national development in countries and financial institutions. This, they say, will close the funding gaps and transform finance into a force for good. So, what is Financing 4.0? Director of Credit at Uganda Development Bank, Samuel Edemmaitoum, explains. So, Financing 4.0 is uh, what we're looking at as the fourth iteration in the evolution of, uh, of, of raising capital, especially for development finance and for basically sustainable uh, economic development or economic growth of projects, uh, mainly targeted towards building resilience nationally or just carrying out uh, projects with huge development impact, uh, raising cheap, affordable money, uh, sustainable in the way that we do not have to borrow and it's, uh, it's, it can continuously, you know, we can continuously raise cheap, affordable and, uh, you know, over a longer period without having to rely, say, foreign borrowing. So the focus really is to, to bring it home, is how do we mobilize domestic savings? Take, for example, when UDB was capitalized in shillings, it was able to affect a rate, a rate change. We were able to bring the cost of borrowing lower than in the past when probably we borrowed money from development partners or, try to, or if we try to raise that money other ways. So financing 4.0 is basically how do we link people with the capital, with the people where it's needed, and uh, kind of align our goals, our vision. So do we have people who are interested in addressing climate change, in addressing specific issues, say youth unemployment? And what are the challenges for youth unemployment, for women, it's cost of funding, or cost of finance? So how do we bring that down by aligning providers with cheap funds and then leveraging on technology? I think you saw there was a digital action. There's a social action. How does it impact the wider community and also a market action? How does it generate products and services that serve the needs of the nation? One of the key pillars of future finance is digitization. Has Africa made any headway in this regard? The key thing... I always note is I think Africa had an advantage when it came to digitizing the financial sector because mobile money and all those are actually continentally grown solutions. It started next door in Kenya, it came here, it spread everywhere. And basically, necessity tends to drive innovation and invention. Now, for banks to remain relevant, you need to be alive to what's happening. We have a very youthful population and I think we still have a challenge around penetration, digital penetration of internet services and digital services to these people. But how do we bring the whole picture? How do we bridge that gap, leveraging technology? So I think a lot of that is really focusing on homegrown solutions rather than importing solutions. 
So I would not be in favor of there's a solution that someone seen in the Netherlands, China, or something. But what equivalent is there locally available that can be adapted to solve that problem? So there's loads of innovators out there. There's loads of people who have worked with, who have seen, develop all sorts of applications. And these kind of serve the current needs of the country. So the focus should be on how we enhance our value chain using the appropriate and homegrown technology in line with the trajectory that the rest of the world is going to deliver solutions that we can take advantage. That was Director Credit at Uganda Development Bank, Samuel Adem Maitou. And a look at the other stories making it into the podcast. The Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe has decided to keep and change its overnight lending rate at 60% during its monetary policy meeting. Policymakers said the previous monetary policy decisions had helped to stabilize the exchange rate and domestic prices. The monthly inflation decelerated to 5.76% in November of 2021 from a 14-month high of 6.4% in October and it is expected to continue declining to low and sustainable levels. Still, the annual inflation climbed for the third straight month to 58.4% in November and will at the end of 2021 be at 58% and 60% and less than 20% in 2022. Meanwhile, the committee noted that the country is on course to attaining a positive economic growth trajectory of 7.8% in 2021 and 5.5% in 2022. Kenya's current account deficit widened to 5.4% in 12 months to October compared to 4.8% the same period last year. The weekly Central Bank of Kenya Bulletin attributes the higher deficit to lower service receipts as well as high imports, which cancelled benefits accrued from agricultural exports and remittances. The country imported goods and services worth $5.98 billion in 12 months to October compared to $5.1 billion same period last year. This is the third highest deficit in two years since 2018 when the country recorded a 5.8% trade shortfall with international partners. The wider deficit reflected a 14% increase in imports which more than offset the 8% increase in exports compared to a similar period in 2020. The negative trade was worsened by a weak local currency that dropped to an all-time low of 112.5 shillings against the dollar. South African GDP shrank 1.5% on quarter in the three months to September of 2021 after a downwardly revised 1.1% rise in the second quarter and compared with market estimates of a 1.2% decline. This is the first economic contraction after four consecutive quarters of growth. Six out of 10 industries recorded a decline in production with agriculture, trade and manufacturing the hardest hit among the twin impact of the social unrest during the July and tighter lockdown restrictions. Transport and communications industry also shrank as road freight transport into and out of KwaZulu-Natal was severely disrupted by the violence and several domestic airlines recorded flight cancellations following travel restrictions imposed by the alert level 4 lockdown. Year on year, the economy advanced by 2.9%, slowing from a record 19.1% growth in the prior period and below market forecasts of a 3.5% rise. Arabica coffee futures on the International Commodities Exchange traded around 2.5 
dollars per pound, its highest level since October 2011 amid supply concerns due to adverse weather in major producing countries, port congestion and increasing freight costs. Frost and drought destroyed crops in top shipper Brazil and dented the outlook for next year's crop. Excessive rains have limited production in Colombia, while a shortage of shipping containers is curbing exports from Vietnam. On top of that, a civil war in Ethiopia is set to further limit the supplies. USDA, in its latest report, forecasts world coffee production for 2021-2022 to go down from the previous year to 164.8 million bags, while global consumption is seen rising to 165 million. Prices are likely to stay high as elevated shipping costs, high cost of fertilizers and fuels and ongoing labor shortages eat into profits. And a look at the market, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange or share index rose over 2% to touch a new record high of 72,671 on Tuesday, lifted by mining companies and recovery in tech stocks. Market sentiment was also supported by easing concerns of the Omicron variant, as early indications suggest that its effect is not as severe as initially feared. Meanwhile, latest data showed South Africa's economy contracted by 1.5% on quarter in the third quarter of 2021, above market estimates of 1.2% fall. Amid the twin impact of social unrest and looting during the July and tighter lockdown restrictions. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me at Ruth Adon.